My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, the stock market's kind of settled down a little after that big post-election rally, and people are starting to think to themselves, well, what has really changed? Has anything really changed? Where is the market going from here? What's going to happen in the next couple of months? What's the outlook for next year? To help answer all those questions, we are joined today by Ryan Dietrich, who is a senior market strategist at LPL Financial. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast on a we are taping this on a Friday afternoon here in New York City. Paul and Stephen in the studio. And uh, interestingly, we're joined tonight, today, tonight, today, by a couple of men whose last name sounds the same but is spelled differently. Uh, Chris Dietrich from our Money Bee team. Chris Hello. in the studio here. And on the phone, we have Ryan Dietrich, who is senior market strategist at LPL Financial. And if you're uh, – Ryan, we haven't had you on in a while, so longtime listeners will remember your voice. That's right. I'm, I'm glad to be back, Paul, and looking forward to a fun conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we, we're glad to have you on. Uh, Ryan is somebody we've, we've, you know, we've followed Ryan's work for a while here. He's a, a market technician and is well-versed <clears throat> in all the, the technical analysis as well as the, the wider fundamental issues. And I was just going to say, I mean, it, his report earlier this week is what really you know, caught our attention because right. it had the words Hindenburg in there. Words that we love. And Hindenburg, not that we love the Hindenburg. Uh, Hindenburg it's a terrible always disaster draws in human a lot history. of attention. Always draws a lot when of we attention. write about it. Yes, it does. It is. It is one of the surprising topics that our readers on Money Beat seem to right. love. So, so it's yeah. You know, it's look. It's been a, a kind of fierce week plus, really, in the markets. Right, you've had a big move up in in the major indexes, and now today and yesterday, you know, actually, the second half of this week, it's kind of flatlined a little bit. Most of this week, most of this week, right, right. So now, question is, what does all this mean? What, what this burst of activity? What was it all about? And Ryan, you know, you did talk about this this sort of Hindenburg omen. Uh, are we at that kind of a moment right now? And what exactly does that mean? Well, that's right, Paul. You know, the Hindenburg Omen, like you said, when people talk about it, it seems to always get attention. And to keep it simple, one of the factors of the Hindenburg Omen is when you have many issues making a new 52-week high and many issues also making a 52-week low, that triggers this. Now, this matters because on Monday on the NYSE, we had 353 new highs. We had 330 new lows. I went back 50 years. Monday was the only day in history, using data from the NYSE, that over 300 new highs and new 300 new lows are made on the same day. Wow. So again, that's got people kind of wondering. And, then, you know, what does it mean? I mean that's right. Thing. What's it mean? Well, it's an it's a, you know, indecision. It shows a market that's not really too comfortable one way or the other. We're getting, you know, dispersion, so to speak. And it has a decent track record. I mean, there have been some pretty big pullbacks after uh, some of these signals. And, again, just Monday we're flirting with the signal, and that's kind of what's uh, perked up my attention and kind of a lot of other people's attention with the Hindenburg Omen there. Hmm. It's interesting because, you know, you, you, you sort of equate generally this phenomenon with, like you said, indecision, but it would seem in the last week and a half ago that there is a tremendous amount of, you know, aggressive move that seems like it indicates, like, a you know, 
heavy buying in banks, for instance, uh, selling Small in caps. things like tech. And so, so, I mean, like, how do you reconcile this idea that um, we have all this dispersion, but it seems like people, investors big and small, are, are actually, you know, have quite a bit of decision about what the post-election world looks like. Uh, that's a great point. And that's what I did. I kind of dug in. You know, I, I said to myself, you know, look at what happened last week. Uh, bonds had one of their worst long-term bonds, had one of their worst weeks ever. The 10-year soared 21%, which was, at least going back to 1965, the largest weekly percentage gain on the 10-year. So anything that was related to bonds, related to debt, got hit hard. And in that 330 new lows that I just talked about that were made on Monday, so many of those were related to bonds and fixed income and some of those preferreds that you see on the NYSE. So to me, it you know, I don't like to massage data that much, but I'm thinking that something's different here. So then I looked at common stock only. So again, just common stocks now. On Monday, we had 319 new highs, only 21 new lows. And that kind of made a lot more mm. sense to me. So to my taking, equities are on very firm footing, you know, making new highs in small caps, making new highs in mid caps. So that, those are strong things. Advanced decline lines, another technical thing we look at. When you have new highs made on advanced decline lines like we're seeing, that's a lot of strength, a lot of market breadth underneath this move that is a good thing. So to me, yes, the Hindenburg Omen gets attention, and it's been, I've heard it being talked about, but I wanted to dive in, and to me, it's skewed by what we're seeing in the debt markets, and it's probably uh, not, not, not as concerning as the name might sound. There's still a lot more positives out there than negatives in my view. And not only for the broader market, though, what, what, what can you say about whether, from a technical perspective, some of the moves that we've seen in things like financials, and as you pointed out, you know, utilities, bond, proxies, as people like to say. I mean, does it look like those kinds of trends can, can remain in, in place? Uh, or, or, or are they sort of running out of steam? Or sort of where do we stand on that front? Sure. That's a great question. You know, when you look at financials, I mean, they were up over 12% last week, one of the largest weekly gains since 2009. And that's a big question is can that, can that sustain? I mean, the near term, sure, that's extremely overextended. But what we like about financials, they like for almost six years after the financial crisis, you know, on a relative strength basis, they are still nowhere near, uh, you know, major peaks here. And, and so this could just be the start of finally seeing some um, some outperformance. But you want to talk about streaks. You want to talk about what's doing well. I mean, it's, it's small caps. You know, Russell 2000, up 10 straight days coming into today. Longest win streak since March 2013. I was looking into some of this data and um, – what I found was since 1987, when I had data back on the Russell 2000 on small caps, 19 times we had a 10-day win streak before the current one. A month after a 10-day win streak, the median return was 2.8% higher about 70% of the time. So in other words, my take is this blast of strength, blast that we've seen, blast of strength in small caps, some of these other sectors, at least specifically in small caps in this case, it can continue. And, you know, three months out also, about 5% median return, which is about double the average return um, you know, in, at any time return. So this strength very well could, um, could continue. And let's not forget, and we can get into it, but this is the feel-good time of the year. November, December are usually strong, and we don't really see any reason that probably won't be the case once again. You know, I saw that you had mentioned that, that streak about the Russell, and I was, you know, as we tape this, so everyone out there knows, in early afternoon Friday uh, here on the East Coast, most of the major indexes are down the Russell is clinging to a gain. So it's looking right now, it looks like it's going to at least try to extend that gain, Ryan. What if it goes to 11? Which we should have. Does that change those numbers altogether? Does that change the numbers? Yeah. 
the last time we had 11 in a row was uh, 2003. So, I mean, you, you know, what's it mean? Well, n- nothing too crazy here. This is this is things we haven't seen for a long time. And, and you know, also over those pre- previous 10 days, the Russell gained over 13%. I also looked into win against 13% over any 10-day period, which has only happened about seven times back in 1987. Once again, the one- and three-month returns are actually twice as strong as the average return. So just hammers home again. When these things happen, they're extremely rare. But they also can just be signs that, you know, things are still still improving. And, again, with small cap, what's interesting about it is before the election, you know, small caps are doing well. You know, copper was doing very well. These are kind of things that were said, oh, those are kind of trades based on, you know, Trump winning the election. At the same time, you can make an argument, you know, these things are going up already. Did they know Trump was going to win or not? I'm not going to get into that. But these yeah. are leadership that we've been seeing. And to see the leadership continue from, you know, transports, copper, small cap. Those are those are areas I'd want to see leading as they're usually economically sensitive, and the fact they're doing well is probably a really positive sign for the economy going out in you know, six to nine months. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's take a break. I have an important message for you, folks. We will come back with more from Ryan Dietrich. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign, and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Stephen Perlberg from the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Are you interested in the biggest changes in the media and advertising business from Facebook to Snapchat? Tune into the WSJ Media Mix podcast for interviews with some of the biggest names in media, from Gawker CEO Nick Denton to Turner President David Levy. For more, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Bee Podcast. Paul and Steve here in the studio. And uh, folks, look, if you want more WSJ podcasts, because we've got a lot of them out there, got some really good ones, go to wsj.com slash podcasts. You can follow us. We're on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. You can also subscribe. You can get this stuff delivered straight to your desktop, laptop, smartphone, mobile device. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, your Google Play Music app, Amazon Echo. And and also, you know, I want to point this out, too. If, if you are interested in what you hear here and you want to find out more from, from us, you know, uh, look under go to go to wsj.com. Look, find our names, our bylines, and if you click on that, it it is a link, and it'll take you to our bios, it'll take you to stories we've written. So, if you're interested in more from us, and and I would hope you are, we're trying to provide some good stuff here for you. You can find us that way as well. This afternoon, we are speaking with Ryan Dietrich, who is senior market strategist at LPL Financial. Uh, Ryan, you know, a big question that. I've seen a lot of people ask is so the you know the, the markets were however you want to describe the markets before the election is is whatever but I mean, clearly there's been a big jump here a big move a lot of things have shifted and people are starting to say to themselves well well what has really shifted have things really changed what's different now than it was last Tuesday or you know last Monday uh, what do you make of that question Sure. I mean, that's a great question. And my take is just there's certainty now. You know, we had a nine-day losing streak on the Dow, longest streak in 36, 35 years coming into the election, as we all know. A record nine-day lose or nine-day win streak. I'm sorry, on the VIX, the volatility index. There's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, and now we've got the certainty. Whether you like it or not, you know, we know who our next president's going to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, to turn the page, we've done a lot of studies. 
you know, is it better for Republicans? Is it better when there's a Democrat in office? Bottom line, I'll be honest, guys, it's the economy. <laughs> it's the economy, stupid. That famous quote. Right. When the economy is doing well, the stock market does well. Nonetheless, who's in office? And when you consider this earnings season that just ended, is going to see 4.1% year-over-year jump in earnings, uh, about 5% above the estimates. That's the largest beat in about five years. The economy really is improving, and we've said in shop this could be the strongest economy that a new president has walked into uh, since Clinton back in the early 90s, which wasn't the worst time you know, from an economic or a um, stock market point of view. So those are some definite positives. But the fact there's certainty out there, that has relieved so much of the stress, and that's probably been a big reason we've had this kind of whoosh higher, I guess we'll call it, the last week and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, that gets to a very good point. I mean, you right before the break, we were talking about how copper's up. It's not just the U.S. economy. I mean, the global economy. Copper was rising because, you know, before the Trump election because of China and China manufacturing and demand was seen growing. So it had been a nice run. Banks were also on the way up. How much is the just the certainty of knowing who won really just sort of lit the fire under what was an improving global economic picture? Sure, it very well could be a lot of it. Honestly, if Hillary would have won, we could have seen the same thing. I mean, either way, I think it's just to have the certainty to come in. But, you know, when you, let's talk about market sentiment for, for just another second. You know, the AAII poll, we've, we've seen it, we've talked about this before, the bulls and bears. I mean, this week, finally, we finally saw some bulls. Guys, we went 54 straight hmm. weeks without the bulls over 40%. That was an all-time record. When you consider the average number of bulls going back 30 years is about 39%, we just went a whole year without bulls even being quote-unquote average. Now, this week, they finally jumped up to 47%. But my take is, you know, we've got so many people just on the sidelines. And let's be honest, I mean, back in July, I was writing about this. The S&P was in the tightest two-year range that had been in since the mid-'90s. I mean, we've had volatility, yes, but we haven't had a lot of action, honestly, in the S&P for a while now. So this sideways move with all the politics has kind of driven everyone crazy, and we just consolidated a lot of these gains, and now the economy's picked up the certainty of who the president is there's still you know small caps mid caps leading you finally you know, steel steel stocks are up what steel sector is up what 100 percent this year which kind of goes to the global economy versus the u.s those again are just just very good signs when you talk about it. and you talk about valuations you know at, at lpl we look at you know, fundamentals technicals and valuations we haven't touched on valuations yet you could argue they're stretched uh, but with inflation still near historic lows, to us, you know, forward PE of around 18 and a half is not that extreme when you can factor in the fact that inflation is so very low. So that's kind of actually more normal in, in our view. So those three legs to our methodology, at least, still suggest, you know, we could have some, some, some decent gains into uh, next year. It's interesting, the sentiment, you know, when you talk about cash on the sideline can be this sort of nebulous idea. But and you saw that in, in surveys that were taken, I think, let's see, it would have been the October survey that I think a Bank of America does, cash was right. at the highest since 2001. And more recently, that survey showed that it had come down quite a lot. You can see it in money market fund flows. So there is, in addition to the sentiment, numbers to back up the idea that some of the money that was sitting in some sort of a safe haven has moved, looks like mostly into stocks, definitely out of out of bonds clearly we see the selling and we also see that in massive flows so there is it, it is interesting that 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 people were waiting for something the bigger question seems to me like we have certainty about the US but now we're into the season of all of these other elections in Europe and this you know these bigger picture themes about populism and i know that this is just how long can this certainty last that's a tough one 
to yeah. answer, but that's already. I mean, like, look at the look at the market section of the WSJ now. The next wild card, you know, the referendum in Italy. So it's just it seems like we're going from one. And it's not it's not just Italy. I mean, we right. have the primary elections in France. Uh, you know, for who's going to face Le Pen uh, in Germany, Merkel's facing populist pressure there. I mean, this is across Europe and it's threatening the EU. It's just, yeah, and, and, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot there and there's a lot there to unpack. But it is pretty remarkable to see how much certainty has been has been sort of clarified, I guess, in the U.S. And you can see the money moving in. And yet at the same time, there are these sort of potentially tectonic plates moving elsewhere that people are also aware of. So it just seems like a very yeah, I mean, I guess optimistic I mean, the, but, like, uneasy the, the, time. The, the question for me, too, still is, okay, the, the uncertainty of the election is over, but, you know, what what is – how certain are we about what's going to happen next? Is Donald Trump really a populist like he said when he campaigned? He's going to throw the elites out. He's going to do all these things that – you know, all the things that excited the base. Is, is he that or – is he sort of a standard typical Republican, which I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying those are two very, very different things. And how is that going to affect the economy down the road, especially given everything going on in Europe and things happening? I mean, how are these things? Are, it's, you it, know? It, it's even more, I think, specific than that. Look at the infrastructure fund, which has boosted stocks last week. Well, he's talking a lot about private money doing that. How much of that private money is actually going to arrive? What's the size of the infrastructure fund? You know, those are questions mm-hmm. the market doesn't know. And is that going to be a surprise down the road for yeah. the market just here? Yeah, we, we've we've completely gotten away from our special guest, Ryan Dietrich <laughs> at LPL Financial. Uh, yeah, R- Ryan, you're still on the line, right? You're still on the line, Ryan, right? I'm still here. Yeah. I was just listening. Okay. Good stuff. Hey, let's before we let you go, uh, give us your take on the Fed, interest rates, the dollar, how that might affect what's going on in the, in the capital markets. Sure. Yeah, we've been on the record saying we do think there will be an interest rate hike this December. You know, with the improving economy, we think it makes sense. It's time to do it. We could see maybe two to three more hikes next year. And the dollar, that's that's the good one because obviously it's traded in this. We had a 25% year-over-year rally um, on the dollar up until March 2015. And then since then, honestly, dollars traded between 92 and 100 approximately. Now we're potentially breaking out. Now, an upward trending dollar is not the end of the world. I know we've kind of been thinking that. You go back in history, there have been many times the dollar has gone higher. What we don't want to see is another massive spike in the dollar, in the dollar like we, like we saw a year and a half ago, approximately. So that we don't think that's going to happen. In fact, we think maybe the dollar could kind of just drift in this, continue in this range. But a, a big spike in the dollar would kind of throw a wrench in things. It would hurt obviously the emerging markets and hurt some of the global economies. But but for now, we think you know a gently trending higher dollar is, is perfectly perfectly fine. Do the, uh, do the you know when you look at technical metric, metrics for the dollar does does that seem like where we're at like um, you know the the sort of not breakout surging dollar it seems like it's it seems like it's the trend it does you know it does and now again you know I could talk to you guys in two weeks and that could that could change but that's <laughs> right. kind of where where we are with it and also you know, you talk about market sentiment I mean just finish up with this maybe i mean you know people all of a sudden are turning more bullish on the dollar all this you know look at what's being out there you know higher rates are for a certain you know it's good for financials and i like financials but the, when everyone starts thinking one way maybe you can get that little uh, little trick that the market likes to play so let's not forget when the fed you know hiked rates last december what happened well they hiked rates but 
but um, you know, yields went lower and bonds went higher, and the stock market had that 14% correction. Now, we're not thinking that's going to happen again, but sometimes everyone seems to agree on something. That's the right. fascinating thing about this. You know, we have over 35 straight months of domestic mutual fund – I'm sorry, 35 straight weeks of domestic mutual fund outflows going on right now. We're probably going to see an inflow this week, but again, when the masses think – so long and so much money goes the same way that's how you can get these nice opportunities and you know from the dollar maybe kind of staying lower here and stocks working their way higher those are still some trends that we think can uh, potentially play out here one question ryan we've seen this sort of trend play out a number of times this year where the market sort of has a you know sort of sharp move of a brief period of volatility and then calms down and sort of trades in a tight range for a you know a long period of time it's early now, but it seems like that's almost what has now happened. Do you? Th- what do you make of that? And do you, you do you think that's going to continue? Because it, it seems like one of the reason rationales for that previously was you know the central banks and and, the, and their role in the markets. But you know, didn't the election seem to change that um, argument at least? You're right. I mean, when you consider as the first 28 days of this year, the S&P was down 10.5%. It was the worst start to a year ever. You know, I mean, things were pretty scary up until the February 11, February 12 lows. And now we're looking at the S&P of, what, 6 7% virtually right at new highs. I mean, it's a nice change from the volatility we saw earlier this year. Um, but but still, you know, you're right. It's kind of this stair-step mechanism that we're seeing now, upwards and sideways and kind of it's a little boring, and then the blast of volatility. I mean, you know, Brexit was what about a six percent drop in yeah. two days, and the election was a, you know, five percent drop. You know, around eleven thirty at night Eastern time on the election didn't even get much of a drop there. But you know, th- those are things to, to that kind of refresh the fear, and those are good things. You know, the last thing I want to talk about, guys, real fast, if I can, uh, the yeah, seasonality yeah. factor is still very strong in year four of a um, presidential cycle, so an election year. I went back and looked at you know what happens in November. Um, after October. And the bottom line is November rarely closes beneath the low close in October. The low close in October was 2126 on the S&P 500. How back since 1950, 66 years. Only five times had November closed beneath those October lows. And I wrote about this before the election saying, hey, you know, we could get some volatility, a little sell-off maybe after an election, but historically it still goes up. December has only closed beneath the lows in November one time since 1950. I mean, these are fascinating wow. stats, but again, they just hammer home. Seasonality can play a factor right. in things, and we're still in that good time frame, so don't let's not forget that. All right. Well, hey, happy holidays, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, all right, Ryan Dietrich, LPL Financial. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the time today. I really appreciate it also, guys. Thank you, and everybody have a great weekend. Yep, absolutely, and that is uh, that was going to be our outgoing message. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will catch up with you again very shortly. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.